it's me, Sean Horwell. Guess what? You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, the podcast where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. Pleased to have you. I'm also very pleased to have a very special guest by the name of Craig Moorhead. Say hello, Craig. Hello, everybody. Surprise. You're listening to a podcast. You know what makes you special this time? What's that? I think it's July 4th when people are going to be listening to this. So this is like Independence <laughs> Day, Craig, right? Oh, guys. Salute. <laughs> I want a big speech out of you at some point. Oh, man. This is kind of catching me unawares. But you know what? It's still a great country. And it's worth fighting for, guys. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Sort of like a like a grandma with Alzheimer's at this point, you know? It's kind a little of inf- bit. infuriating at times, but you still kind of infuriating, love her. Infuriating, but you for love her. her. Right? Yeah. Yeah. She's got a heart of gold. <laughs> no, seriously, happy Independence Day to everybody. If you're listening to this on your holiday, uh, even a happier Independence Day to you. Because yeah. that's a real dedication. And mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate it. Craig. Mm. You know where people can find us. They can find us at NeverHeardPodcast.com. Anywhere else? Uh, man, so they can find us there. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram even. Podcast-wise, iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, I use a, a little thing called Overcast, which I think is not really quite like iTunes or Stitcher, but it's it's I love it. You know, you can listen to that online, too, I think, uh, on the web using Overcast as well. You can, Absolutely, you can. Yeah, it's great. And you can, uh, you can also find us on YouTube, even, mm-hmm. if you just want to sit and watch sort of a still video. I don't know. That might be good. I'll be the first to admit that uh, I have not uploaded some of the recent episodes to YouTube. Mm. You know, sometimes we get a little politely worded take this down or we're not uh, that's true or rather not just take this down but we've took this down because of some other intellectual thing but hey Mm -hmm. we had a comment from somebody on one of the older episodes like 10 days ago or something like that so if you're checking it out on youtube and leaving comments thank you we'll get to it eventually we do kind of keep an eye on those at the very least it's tough when you kind of operate like we do like right on the edge of the law you know what i mean that's right and trying to navigate it's a razor thin sort of thing yeah, we're intellectual outlaws is basically oh, what I'm saying. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, Craig, it is July. You picked the movies this month. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about uh, what led you down the road that we're going to go down today. Let's do that. So the movie we're going to talk about is The Harder They Come, uh, a movie uh, from uh, 1972. Why did I pick this, Sean? Why? I don't know, because I'd never heard of it. There are two reasons, two main reasons I picked this movie. So this movie first came on my radar because of the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's out of print now, but they uh, this is a part of the Criterion Collection. As I remember, for a while, this particular DVD was sort of, uh, the price was reduced, let's say. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't one of the more popular movies, I don't know. But I love it whenever a Criterion Collection thing Prices reduced, like that just drives me crazy, and I gotta like buy something. But I never bought this because I, I I didn't I had no idea what it was about. I just felt like, well, that's not smart. I should watch the movie first and find out if I love it or not. Sure. So it's always been on my radar just for that reason, and every now and again it'll just pop up out of nowhere, and I'll see it somewhere and think, oh yeah, harder they come. Like I, I should check that out. And I really don't have much of an idea of what it is aside from. The Harder They Come, that's the name of the thing. It stars Jimmy Cliff, a musician, a very successful and prolific musician. Mm-hmm. 
And that's kind of brings me to the other reason that I picked this was because I was thinking about the fact that we haven't done very many musical uh, movies. No, we haven't. Yeah. Yeah. So this month I wanted to just concentrate on a couple movies that have kind of music at their core and, uh, and just see what they're about. And so that brings us to The Harder They Come. I love it. You know, you told me this title and you mentioned it was a musical. I completely thought, oh, yeah, like this is like some 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> probably like there's like a military theme to this you know, there's some soldier in mm. love or something is that harder they i don't know so it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not that i learned very quickly doing my research today so oh, yeah. i'm excited to check it out do you remember where we can watch this uh it is on prime video okay good to go also if you have subs at uh canopy or i believe fandor yeah. you can see it but but amazon primes got you covered great well you want to tell us about the people who are in this and uh the people that made it sean <clears throat> let me try that again sean i don't mind if i do okay so uh the harder they come directed by perry henzel so he made this and apparently made one other movie called no place like home and No Place Like Home was going to be the follow-up for this one, but it took years and years. Maybe this is a part of your thing. I, I won't step on your toes. No, I don't have that, so that's good to know. Okay. It took years and years. It actually uh, it took so long, he was like, forget movies. <laughs> he became a novelist. He uh, published a, at least one book called Power Game in 1982. Wow. Apparently had a very long, fulfilling life, but then uh, found some of the footage again later on, much later on. Uh-huh. Worked on it, found some more, got it all together, and apparently they uh, they uh, it, it was screened at the Toronto Film Festival in 2006. Yeah, to not just a tiny little bit of acclaim. So um, I, I don't know if that's available anywhere. I, I didn't see if that was anywhere, but uh, just thought that was kind of interesting. And that that seems to be the story with a lot of these folks that are involved. Like this is either the only thing they did, or they only did one or two things. Right. And it's part of me that kind of likes that going in. Almost that feeling of like all these people get together and say, you know what, there's this one movie we need to make. And then they make it and they're like, all right, done. Yeah, let's go back to our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, goal accomplished. All right. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, sounds like a happy way to be. So, so but that's Perry. Uh, he's the director and uh, it was produced by Perry and a fellow by the name of Chris Blackwell, who has such an interesting history. He uh, uh, founded Island Records for one. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and that's crazy. Uh, wow. Yeah, and he acted as a location scout on the movie Dr. No. Of course. And, uh, and, and we'll come back to him toward the end here. Okay. Because there's a very interesting sort of James Bond connection that is just kind of on the fringes of this thing. Uh, the movie was written by Perry Henzel and Trevor D. Roan, who was a playwright. Seems, it looks like he wrote uh, scores of plays and wrote a few movies as well. Uh, didn't really recognize the titles. So I didn't uh, dive too much into that. Mm-hmm. He seemed to be all do- doing okay with the writing. Cool. Um, hats off to Mr. Trevor D. Roan. The music is covered by a bunch of folks. These were a lot of uh, big Jamaican artists of the day. So I'm still going strong. But I mean, Jimmy Cliff, obviously, who is one of only two living musicians who hold the Order of Merit, which is the highest honor granted by the Jamaican government for achievements in arts and sciences. Way to go. So he's no slouch, is what I'm saying. You're gotcha. going to be very entertained by Jimmy Cliff. 
other folks who contributed music, uh, Desmond Decker, which is a name I really recognize. And I listened to at least one song, Israelites, that sounded sort of familiar. For some reason, Desmond Decker is such a familiar name. It is, yeah. None of the the songs kind of reached out and grabbed me. But uh, the Slickers, uh, the Maytals... It's, uh, we're, we're looking at some ska, some reggae, mm-hmm. some rock steady, which I'm not exactly sure what that is, although I, I'm assuming it's in the same milieu. <laughs> Pardon my French. Now, I saw that uh, term thrown around as well. Not, I, don't, I don't know that genre either, but uh, yeah, I'm very curious to find out more. I mean, I should say maybe going into this too, yeah, my reggae is very, very limited to oh, me too. Uh, the Bob Marley I heard in college from other people's sure. studios mostly. So, yeah, there's some education to happen here is all I'm saying. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. Cinematography. We have three cinematographers. This movie's so big, Sean. Get out of here. It took three people to shoot it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. First fellow up is David McDonald, who was a cinematographer on a movie called Smile Orange, which is uh, a few other people uh, also will end up working on this movie called Smile Orange. I'm kind of just uh, interested in now. <laughs> yeah. I like the title. I, yeah. I, I have no idea what that's about. Franklin St. Just, which I think is how you would pronounce uh, Franklin's name. Okay. Um, I didn't recognize any uh, any of the uh, credits under Franklin St. Just's. Again, he came to, to make this movie. And then Dunsky. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, yeah. All done. Uh, and Peter Jessup, who shot the Avengers. Excuse me? TV show. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so so he had the 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 biggest credit that I would uh, recognize there. Um, he worked a, a good bit in TV. So cool. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what this thing looks like. Yeah, editing by also three people. Just an enormous movie. Yeah, Sayland Say Sai Sayland Anderson. Sayland, if you if you're out there listening, <laughs> let us know if I said any of that correctly. Such an easy last name, tough first name. Yeah, uh, Richard White. Dick White. O- old Dicky White. Uh, no, um, I, I didn't recognize uh, any of the other credits in their listings, uh, but uh, John Victor Smith, who is rounding out our three editors, this fella cut on Help, the Beatles movie. Oh wow! Uh, Robin and Marion, the the um, you know Sean Connery, uh, I think Richard Lester movie, mm-hmm. Superman two and three. Jeez. The Dick Donner stuff, Space Truckers. Yes. Not really sure. But I'm I'm looking I'm looking for space truckers. That may be a future episode, and another one. Can we do truck rascals and space truckers? Tr- I think tr- yeah. Double we may feature. just have a truck season. We <laughs> may just do trucks. Okay. In general. Yeah. Great. But but Sean, he also cut a movie called Swak. Okay. Now this is a uh, S dot W dot A dot L dot K dot Swak hmm. is the name of the movie, also known as Melody. But I, I I'm. Stick I'm, with Swalk. I'm throwing that. Yeah. I'm throwing that in the garbage because Swalk, <laughs> written by Alan Parker. Apparently, it's about two children who decide for real that they're going to get married, and the problems that this causes. Yeah, well, I mean, I would think there's a lot of problems <laughs> with that. Yeah. I, I, oh, oh, yeah. I'd imagine it's a ton of problems. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking out Swalk. Swalk. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I've never seen that anywhere. And now we come to the actors. Yeah. Sean, we've got Jimmy Cliff in the starring role mm-hmm. as Ivanhoe, quote-unquote Ivan Martin. And uh, the only other credit I could find for Jimmy Cliff uh, for acting, he was in the Robin Williams' uh, Harold Ramis-directed movie Club Paradise. <laughs> okay, yeah. But he's composed tons of stuff for movies and like 
Long Long Kiss Goodnight, Mission Impossible Three. Like there's wow, he's got tons really? of okay. uh, stuff where, where and it looks like he just like has composed a song for the movie. Uh-huh. I don't, I, maybe they're they're just using his songs, but it seems it looked like they were um, interesting. He was actually composing them for the movie. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Uh, Janet Bartley, who plays Elsa in the movie, was also in 1977's Black Christmas. Mm. Not the horror movie. Okay, but it was a TV movie. Directed by Stephen High Fidelity Frears. Is that a real nickname? Yeah. Oh, well. well, that's his whole that's his whole legal name. Okay. Stephen High Fidelity Frears. <laughs> Used to be known as Stephen Dangerous Liaisons Frears. Oh, Frears. okay. Yes, that guy. No, but Black Christmas is is it's a movie about a black family and a white family having Christmas together and there's problems. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know I'm kind of looking for that one now because when I saw Black Christmas I thought it was the awesome horror sure. movie, and it's not. Anyway, uh, Carl Bradshaw, he's an actor. He plays Jose Smith. He was also in the Denzel movie uh, The Mighty Quinn. Also in the movie Smile Orange, which I need to check yeah. out. Uh, rounding this out, we've got Ra- Roz Daniel Hartman as Pedro. We've got Basil Keane as the preacher. We've got Bob Charlton as Hilton. And Bob Charlton, Sean, was in the movie Detroit 9000. No, was he? That's right. And our faithful listeners uh, would know that we uh, we did a, a, an episode, a whole episode on Very that movie. Very early on, yeah. Very early on. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. Did he play one of it the 9,000 policemen in that movie? <laughs> he played one of the 9,000 policemen, yeah. There, there, wasn't okay. a, there wasn't a role next to his name. That's what kind of bummed me yeah. out. I was like, oh, man, did he star? No. Uh, and finally, we've got, well, not finally, there's a lot of actors, but of interest, we've got Don Topping as a DJ. DJ Don Topping? No, no, no. No, no. No, but he was also in the movie Live and Let Die, the James Bond movie. Huh. And here's where it kind of comes back. So Chris Blackwell, as I mentioned, was a location scout on Dr. No. There was another actor in this cast, and now I don't have their name in front of me because I kind of I cut it down who drove a hearse in Dr. No <laughs> yeah. for the movie. And I'm like, why Why is all this James Bond stuff? So I start reading about Chris... Chris so I start reading about Chris Blackwell. His mom was apparently Ian Fleming's muse and the inspiration for the character Pussy Galore. No kidding. Yeah, so they were tight with the Flemings. And his mom owned all this uh, property in Jamaica, apparently, and sold Ian Fleming uh, property in Jamaica, and that's how they met. Huh. Well, you know, I mean, when yeah. you were talking about, like, yeah, yeah, I, I remember Dr. No, I think specifically. Yeah, I remember there's stuff in Jamaica. And then I'm like, well, there, I feels like there's, like, every, like, sixth James Bond movie has something to do in, <laughs> in yeah. the Caribbean, right? So they uh, just love, yeah, yeah, heading <laughs> down there. But now that makes yeah. sense. Now it's just, oh yes, yeah, just so Ian Fleming can can yeah. go visit his property or whatever. Interesting. So that's my rundown on it. I'm interested to know Very what's cool. going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. So some limited stuff, but some good stuff, I think, here nonetheless. As you mentioned, this movie stars Jimmy Cliff, who plays Ivanhoe Martin. But did you know, Craig, that Ivanhoe Martin was a real man? Uh, he was a real get out of town. Yep, he was a real Jamaican criminal, exact same name. He was also known as now I, I'm probably going to mispronounce this here. I think it's Rijin. Okay. Or Rijin. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's R H Y G I N G. 
And he achieved fame in the 1940s. He's known as a legendary outlaw and folk hero in Jamaica, often regarded as, quote, the original rude boy. I don't know what that means, but it's in Wikipedia. And he became very notorious in 1948 after escaping from prison. He went on the run, committed a string of robberies, murders, and attempted murders before he was... Well, I don't want to spoil anything here because I I haven't seen the movie. I don't know how it's going to end. But let's just say uh, the real Ivanhoe Martin did not do that forever. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Yeah. The nickname Raijin comes from a a yes the the jamaican patois which is their local sort of creole take on english Mm -hmm. is a variant of the word raging or wild hot or bad so that's kind of a he certainly was that kind of a cool nickname yeah too this movie was shot on 16 millimeter i could not find a budget but very very notable as being the first film ever produced in jamaica and by jamaica makes sense so that's pretty cool right the movie I think had his first international screening, or first screening anywhere outside of Jamaica, at the 1972 Venice Film Festival. I didn't think much of that when I first saw that, but then I saw something else in Roger Ebert's review, and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like surprised this movie was at the Venice Film Festival, right, from what, it, from what I yeah. seem to think of it here. Uh, but uh, Ebert wrote, the movie was a sleeper when it was shown there. Uh, It was the first film made in Jamaica by Jamaicans, and no established channels existed to market it, right? Because how many movie theaters can there possibly be in Jamaica? So, seeking exposure, the filmmakers rented a little theater in Venice proper and tried to lure festival goers over from the main festival. The few who went came back with enthusiasm, and within a few days, the movie had become an underground hit. Good reviews at Venice eventually found it a distributor with... Ding, ding, ding. Roger Corman's New World Films, which we talked ah. about very recently in uh, yeah. the Harder, uh, the Cars at 8 Paris. Excuse me. So that's kind of interesting because I swear if you look on, I think, Wikipedia and IMDb, it's just like, yeah, it was released at Venice Film Festival. Like so, and, But yeah. Ebert's thing makes it sound very different. It sounds like they just went there and screened it at a competition or anything like that and uh, had some good fortune with it. So that's great. Uh, the movie did not show up in America until 1973. It was released uh, initially just in New York. Pretty awesome taglines for this movie. I don't know if you saw the following Didn't. two, which are on one of the posters. The bigger they fall? No. Okay. With a piece in his hand, he takes on the man. And That's also, nice. he makes women and the charts in his own top with both. <laughs> oh, heck. Uh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in France, this movie was released as Tout to the Sui, which Google translates to everything right now, which, hmm. that's, I don't know, that's not as good as the title as The Harder They Come. Why don't they just stick no, with that? I don't know. Not quite. Explain yourself, France. But anyway, after this was released in New York, it did okay, but it became more popular, it said, when the movie started to play midnight audiences nationwide uh, that, that following April. The initial reason given or explanation that they had for why its popularity was was somewhat limited at the time was because the again this patois that the Jamaicans speak in the movie was so thick that it required subtitles. And I do think and read that there were subtitles included on those very first original prints, 
And this was mentioned in parentheses as being disputed, but it does bear to the distinction of at least some calling it and thinking of it as one of the first English language movies in history to require subtitles in the United States, which is yeah. awesome. I love. And so, yeah, I, I think if you're going to go watch this on Amazon Prime, there should be subtitles. But if not, it sounds like we're, you might want to turn them off. <laughs> right. Couldn't find any info on the box office for America. And it sounds like, you know, yeah, if it's playing midnight screenings, yeah, who knows how much money this made in 73. But maybe more importantly, like in Jamaica, it was a huge sensation there. And according to Hinsel, the director, quote, black people seeing themselves on the screen for the first time created an unbelievable audience reaction. And I, I think that's probably the big thing here. And it was like, it would be interesting to actually go watch Dr. No after watching this movie and see how the characterization of the people in Jamaica differs between the two. Oh, because, yeah. you know, I think that was what they were talking about. It was like, this is like a naturalistic performances. You know, they're not holding back on their accents at all. Right. Decent critical response from what I could tell. Ebert did give it two and a half out of four stars in that review. He talks a little bit about you know, the differences between seeing it in Venice versus, or the reactions out of Venice versus seeing it then with the expectations of, of having heard those reactions, but generally he was positive. Uh, Variety wrote that the film, quote, has a sharp and racy rhythm in keeping with the syncopated music of the aisle, plus an underlying social theme in the guise of a familiar tale. I noticed on Wikipedia the poster they have has an amazing quote here from someone at ABC. This is the very top of this poster. It's just, Infinitely more intelligent than Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. I mean, they, they seem very far apart as movies from what I know of these two. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be curious to see. But yeah, you know, it's kind of gone on. I think obviously we talked about with the Criterion release, and I, I think it does sort of have a place in the cult canon. It was included in the 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die book, um, which was edited by Steven Schneider. So, you know, we're one step closer to being able to die finally after watching this, Craig. That would be good to know. Yes. And the cultural influence this kind of like has spread wide, specifically through the music, obviously. Uh, the Clash. The Clash, obviously, huge fans of reggae. They reference the movie specifically in the song The Guns of Brixton. Uh, the lyrics refer mm -hmm. to uh, a Brixton-born son of a Jamaican immigrant who, quote, the line from the song is, feels like Ivan at the end of The Harder They Come. So I'm totally going to go listen to that again. Agreed. Hinsel died in 2006. I can't remember if we said that, but uh, the LA Times, uh, when they sort of ran their piece on, on his death, the headline called the movie, quote, the movie that brought reggae to the world. And yeah. the soundtrack was a big deal. It peaked at uh, number 140 on the Billboard Top 200, which you know, it doesn't sound like much, but the fact that it made the Billboard Top 200 in America is pretty amazing, I think. Uh, you mentioned the musicians, so I won't repeat them, but in 2003, that album was ranked number 119 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Also on greatest albums list from Time and Blender, and 97th, Craig... 97th best album of the 1970s by those assholes at Pitchfork Media. So <laughs> even they liked even it. Even they liked it. So I, I think, uh, yeah, there's obviously a very big cultural <laughs> significance to this movie that's aside from the plot or from the experience of it as a movie, you know, just as a movie, I guess. And right. that's really cool. But here we are in 2018. I think it's going to be fun just to kind of watch this and see what we think of it as a story, you know? 
Yeah. And uh, I look forward to doing that. I do too. Watching movies is something I like doing. <laughs> That's good because we have a podcast about doing that. Yeah, it does come in handy. Look out for a uh, little inclusion and re- nod to the movie Django, the original spaghetti western, starring mm. that Italian actor whose name I can't think of, but obviously mm-hmm. Tarantino fans will know that that is the influence for Django Unchained. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, here we go. Reggae time coming at us next week. Full episode. I hope everybody will go watch the movie or at least listen to the episode and then go watch the movie. However you want to do it, it's fine with me. You know we're going to spoil the crap out of it, so that's up to you, <laughs> whatever you're cool with. Yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, but go go check it out on Amazon Prime, and then uh, come back and listen to us. Craig, Yeah. any last patois words for us tonight? You original <laughs> rude boy, you. Oh, man. <laughs> Sean, you know I always have some last words for the people out there. You do. Uh, listening. Yeah, but... And tonight, my words of wisdom to them are simply, surprise, I don't have any words of wisdom. (laughs) How about don't blow your arm off with a firework tonight? Okay, yeah. Hey, guys, no, you know what? Like, keep the dogs in. Yeah, your dogs. Put them in a quiet place. Mm -hmm. They don't so much like the fireworks. Uh, You can buy Thunder shirts. It's too late for you now, if you're listening to this, probably, to go to the vet. Or your local pet co and buy a thunder shirt for your dog, but take care of your animals. Right. Take care of your arms. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.